Who did we imagine would pick up our filters, our shattered glass? Our minds were closed buds. In the oaks and the pines by the old ice house, we sparked firelighters, threw back naggins, cans of cherry cider. We sucked bensons and mints, had our first kiss, our last smoke. What did we know of a beer cap in a vixen's throat or the stomach of a hare gagged with cigarette butts? All we knew for sure was if we drank enough, we could voice the panic attacks we had before maths. The mantras that our bodies were too big, too small, too riddled with spots. We confess that we watch our mothers dice carrots with the knives we used on our skin and babysat kids by the river we dreamt of walking into. Here we uncapped what was held so tightly, like a sluice trap after so many winters. Our tense jaws, our cramped hearts, were held by the earth's nerves. Those roots and vines that quietly lowered the pressure of our blood. Hello, and welcome to Words That Burn, the podcast taking a closer look at poetry. This week's poem is a bittersweet elegy to an Irish youth. It is Knives We Used on Our Skin by Molly Toomey. Before I dive into what makes this poem special, I have a favour to ask. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, or even if it's your first time listening, and you enjoy what I have to say about poetry, please consider leaving me a review on whatever platform you listen on. It really does help get the show out to more listeners. On another note, this episode contains some references to eating disorders and self-harm that some people may find a difficult topic. If you are one of those people... I suggest choosing another episode to listen to today. With that said, let's take a closer look. It's impossible not to feel the Irish influences encroaching around the edges of this poem. There's an almost haunted rural landscape, fused with the absolute chaos of youth in its lines. This is well-worn territory for Molly Toomey. The entire collection this poem comes from, raised by vultures, is filled with poems that lean heavily on the poet's own personal experience, flecked with glimmers of an Ireland not often written about. This is no misspent youth, but a rocky one nonetheless. Toomey charts her teenage years growing up in Waterford, and paints it in a way that shows the true ferocity and uncertainty of youth. She also chronicles her difficulties with anorexia. The entire collection is a beautiful poetic ode to recovery that simultaneously damns the disorder and portrays the difficulty of overcoming it. While writing about this difficult topic, Toomey never shies away from the torment of recovery, both internal and external. Yet throughout so many of the poems in the collection, the poet weaves a thread of hope that leads us as readers effortlessly towards the notion that maybe things will be okay. It is a very cohesive debut collection, and it's not hard to see why it's been so lauded with praise by the poetry community. All the themes I've just mentioned are encompassed in this poem, Knives We Used on Our Skin. It is a testament to the strange secrecy of our teenage years, the necessary subterfuge of breaking boundaries and pursuing things that we are directly told we shouldn't. For the purpose of this episode, I've split the poem into three sections. The first section perfectly showcases the ignorance of youth and the complete dedication that young people often have to the now. Who did we imagine would pick up our filters? 
our shattered glass. Our minds were closed buds. In the oaks and pines by the old ice house, we sparked firelighters, threw back naggins, cans of cherry cider. We sucked bensons and mints, had our first kiss, our last smoke. This first section is a treasure trove of quiet hedonism. It reads like a shopping list for a baby anarchist. It catalogues objects that are a staple of growing up in Ireland. Filters, shattered glass, firelighters, naggins, bensons, first kisses and last smokes. Each one of these things is a micro act of rebellion and the speaker makes it clear from the very first line that the consequences of those actions didn't even exist to them then. Who did we imagine would pick up our filters? From there, Toomey introduces her first reference to nature. Our minds were closed buds. These rabble-rousers she writes about are little more than children. Their minds aren't even close to fully developed at this stage. And so, reckless abandon is just that little bit easier. In the simple analogy, Toomey also sets up a juxtaposition between the energy of the people in the scene and the stillness of the nature around them. That energetic description is achieved by attaching verbs filled with action, sparking firelighters, throwing back naggins, sucked benson and mints. All of this creates a scene of constant movement, a subtle restlessness that permeates the section. Each of the actions undertaken by the people of the scene is undercut by a small detail that marks the actions out as something slightly more childish and showing that adult logic is not quite present. They use firelighters as opposed to a really dangerous fuel. Their cider is cherry flavoured and their cigarettes are mint tipped. The section ends with one more contrast being established. Had our first kiss and our last smoke. Both these things are a recognition of the thrill of starting and the poignancy of an end. All in all, the first section paints a relatively harmless picture of young exploration. The second section, however, shows the hidden danger of such abandon. What did we know of a beer cap in a vixen's throat or the stomach of a hare gagged with cigarette butts? All we knew for sure was, if we drank enough, we could voice the panic attacks we had before maths. The mantras that our bodies were too big, too small, too riddled with spots. We confessed that we watched our mothers dice carrots with the knives we used on our skin and babysat kids by the river we dreamt of walking into. Toomey's obvious skill in building contrast is used to devastating effect here. The carefree ignorance of the first section is replaced by sharp consequences. Their beer bottle discards are choking wildlife and their cigarettes are gagging hairs. The first lines of this section are a complete shift away from the relative ease of the first. I would describe it as poetic whiplash. This could be seen as something of a signature in her work and she has spoken about it a little. Here is a quote from an interview where she is explaining some advice given to her by one of her mentors. She is trying to get me to introduce some more yin or restful poems to my debut collection. And she is so right, as so many of my poems have that kind of slap-you-in-the-face yang energy. That slap-you-in-the-face energy continues when the next two lines show us that this carefree scene is anything but. 
when we think of teenage drinking. It is typically as a hedonistic pursuit. But here, in this poem, it is to escape something. It is in the short-sightedness of adulthood that we might ask, what could people so young possibly want to escape? The answer is laid bare by Toomey. The panic attacks before math class. These are the kinds of worries that are completely alien to an adult mind. It isn't a bill, a rent, or even something that would be considered a serious issue. The hedonistic scene of the earlier lines has taken on a more sinister note, one that increases line by line. Next, we find a use of the word mantras, but perhaps not in a place we might expect it. A mantra is, after all, a calming phrase, meant to bring focus and serenity. Toomey turns her hand to contrast again, and mantras become anything but tranquil. The speaker lists the ways in which these teens weigh and measure themselves, and somehow constantly come up wanting. The mantras that our bodies were too big, too small, too riddled with spots. The lines begin to bleed into one another with increasing speed, leading us from pair to pair. This gives a sense of things heightening, the perils of the poem reaching ahead, and we understand this to be the exact case in the next set of lines containing the poem's title. We confessed that we watched our mothers dice carrots with the knives we used on our skin and babysat kids by the river we dreamt of walking into. The yang energy previously mentioned by Toomey reaches a crescendo as two images that should never be found in the vicinity of one another collide. There is the domesticity of the mother, innocence of babysitting, both suddenly undercut by a glimpse of self-harm that the speaker of the poem seems to be inflicting on themselves. What makes this all the more impactful is that the mother seems to be completely oblivious, as though it weren't an instrument warped from its intended purpose by the self-loathing of a child. There is something so wrong in this juxtaposition of the clueless mother and their secret-keeping child, and yet it is normal for teenagers to keep things from their parents. The self-harm referenced here could be looked at in another way. It is an action undertaken by someone who does not fully grasp the weight of it. They are using the kitchen knives they find at home, as opposed to a blade of any real danger. Though flirting with danger, they are not quite ready to embrace it fully. The final section of the poem finally gives us a hint of hope and maturity. Here, we uncapped what was held so tightly like a sluice trap after so many winters. Our tense jaws, our cramped hearts, were held by the earth's nerves. Those roots and vines that quietly lowered the pressure of our blood. Suddenly, the tensions of this poem are uncapped as naggins are set loose in a casual callback to the first section. More rural Irish imagery is used a sluice trap makes an appearance to fully emphasise that sense of release. From contrast to absolute fluidity, Toomey weaves in and out of imagery that reinforces her earlier message of teenage anxiety and difficulty. She writes of tightness, and that extends to the body of the young people in her scene. Tense jaws and cramped hearts. She pushes the metaphor, extending it to the natural landscape itself. The earth's nerves. In doing this, Toomey ties the two formerly disparate images back together, showing that we might consider ourselves somehow apart from nature, with our human worries, our implements, our vices. But deep down, we are just like the animals mentioned in earlier parts of the poem, 
inextricable from nature. This is confirmed in the final line. Those roots and vines that quietly lowered the pressure of our blood. For me, the reading here is simple. In youth, we seek any form of release from the pressures we feel around us. Those pockets of relief can often be destructive, both for ourselves and those around us. Meanwhile, it is the landscape itself and our oftentimes willfully forgotten connection to it that can deliver us. Knives We Used on Our Skin by Molly Toomey is a poignant and stirring portrayal of the trials and tribulations of Irish youth. The poem brims with the echoes of an almost haunted rural landscape and the absolute chaos we can encounter in our adolescence. It is a poem that truly exposes the turbulence of being young. However, amidst that turbulence, Toomey subtly hints at hope and recovery. The narrative turns towards the inherent connection between humans and nature, suggesting that we can always return to it and find some kind of relief. That sense of relief floods the poem's final lines. Knives we used on our skin is a powerful and unflinching look at the complexities and struggles of youth. In reading it, it can help us to understand the importance of recognizing and addressing the issues young people go through. The juxtaposition of imagery between self-harm and everyday objects proves a certain need for vigilance from parents in recognizing what our children might be going through. Toomey's poem is a testament to the harsh realities of adolescence, but also an ode to the resilience of it. What did you think of the poem? I'd like to point out, as always, that this is my interpretation. If you'd like to talk to me about it, or you'd like to suggest a poem you would like to hear on the podcast, you can get in touch with me in a few different ways. You can send me an email at wordsthatburnpodcast at gmail.com. You can check out my website, www.wordsthatburnpodcast.com. You can also follow me on Instagram, where I post quotes and other bonus material related to the episodes. If you'd like to read the show notes to this episode, complete with citations and references, you can check out the substack at the link below. I appreciate you giving your time to me once again. Have a wonderful week, and I will be back soon.